Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat-treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! Welcome to Knife Talk. We're a podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, blacksmiths, bladesmiths. You know, you understand. My name is Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. Normally I'm here with Mareko Momasi of Momasi Fire Arts and Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. But no, this is Knife Talk single track. One person or one track, very little editing, and we're giving you content in these uncertain times. This is now, we're heading into uh, week number three of uh our person i'm in new york state our quarantine uh slash social distancing slash whatever i i now count time based on how long my kid has been out of school uh this is now her third week of being out of school being at home doing homework from the computer not seeing her friends not going out not seeing anybody we're all social distancing and we're trying to get some exercise in and changing our schedule around so my kid can get some air and do our thing. My wife is working in a hospital and she's coming back and forth and doing her thing. And I'm trying to get in the shop, get do my thing. I'm very fortunate enough to have, uh, I've mentioned this before, my mother. My mother lives close to us. And I'm very fortunate that she's here. I'm glad right now in this during this time of corona virus and COVID-19, I'm thrilled that she's close because now I can, I can make sure that she's in her apartment. I can get her her groceries. I can get her her medication. I can get her anything that she needs. And it it gives me a degree of, uh, it gives me some comfort knowing that I can be there for her and close. So that's one of those things is great. But the problem is, is this is now we're in a stage now where people's lives are changing. And, and one of the things is, is this week actually is my mother's birthday and I'm, li- she's going to be listening to this now. So mom, I'm wishing you a happy birthday. I love you. I'm going to try to control myself and not sling out such naughty words. I, she gave me a message not too long ago. She listened to the last couple of knife talk single tracks she said to me she said to me you're you boy you sure do curse a lot and i said you know fine mom i completely understand i but this isn't really for you and i didn't really ask for your opinion but i appreciate it and we had a couple laughs and she liked hearing it and now i'm going to be not only talking to you fine listeners but i'm also talking to my mother so mom you're welcome aboard and I will try to control myself. Things might get a little bit tense. Some of the questions that some of my, uh, our listeners are going to listen, are going to spit out might be a little bit on the, uh, you know, difficult side, but fine. You're a grown woman and you're about to turn 80 and I'm sorry that I'm unable to take you to your favorite restaurant, Finn and Brew. Uh, usually when we go there, uh, Mike Anastasia, the chef, uh, Gives her the white glove service, awesome food, great guy. They gives her a kiss when he sees her. We're gonna, she's gonna have to be. We're gonna have to 
push it all back and maybe do a birthday celebration when this is all over and clear and we can see it. Uh, I just want to make sure she's all right. Um, it's, it's a strange situation to be in. Uh, it's a, it hurts. It hurts. I mean, we're very fortunate, very fortunate. Uh, we don't really have, uh, a lot of, you know, direct, uh, problems that we actually, unfortunately were, you know, direct problems. I say direct problems. Uh, a good friend of ours, sister died and, um, in their house. And it was one of those things where it's all pointing towards, uh, resulting in, uh, uh, COVID-19 or whatever, but regardless, even if it isn't, she can't, she can't have friends over to console her. She can't have, she can't, <laughs> there's no, it's, it's, we're to grieve with, without anybody is hard. It's super hard. And I actually gave a, I, I talked to her a little bit, texted her. And then I called her husband as a friend of mine. And I just, I sent my condolences and I just said how hard it must be not being able to be with other people and have, you know, not being able to have people in your house and being able to, and you know, he started getting all choked up and I started getting choked up and he started to, you know, appreciated it. And we started kind of started crying a little bit and I just started to get my, my voice started to crack and I couldn't really get the words out. And I said, uh, you know, you're just such an awesome guy. And I was like, all right, hang up. I hung up on him. It was, I didn't really mean to, I just, what else can you say? I'm not going to start crying on the phone with him. I mean, I felt bad. I gave him my condolences and get off my phone. I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding, but I'm not really, I'm kidding because it was just, it was so intense. And you know, I'm used to giving this guy a hug in a bar and giving him a beer or seeing him at a party or stuff like that. And having this kind of very long distance thing was tough. And I couldn't, I wanted to come over to his house. I wanted to make him some food and come up, bring him over to his house and hang out with him and kind of be there for him and help him uh, understand what was going on. And, and it was really one of those things. It was just very difficult. It was super difficult. And, uh, you know, I, I, there's a lot of other people who are going through a lot of other problems, especially up here in New York. And, um, it reminded me that, um, earlier last week I had a conversation with a good friend of mine somebody, some, some, somebody you all know, Josh Smith of Josh Smith knives. He's the youngest, uh, master bladesmith. Uh, I think he became a master bladesman 19. Unbelievable. Just an awesome guy. Incredible knife maker. He got, he's got a family out in Montana, uh, a beautiful family and farm and you've got four kids and wife and he's trying to do the right thing. And I, I just have nothing but respect for him as a knife maker and as a man, as an American. And he's just an awesome guy. And, um, he, he, he and I are friends. We've talked on the phone. I just, it's just, it's, you know, we come from different backgrounds too. And he's from Montana. I'm from New York city. We wrote, raised differently. We probably have different political views, but at the same time, the, our mutual respect for each other, we've become friends, trusted friends. Like he's a, I, I'm in the tank for Josh Smith. Anything he needs, he know he can get a hold of me. So he, I guess he had written something online and I, I don't really pay much attention to what people write. I usually, I'll read something and I'll get, you know, yes or no. It doesn't really matter to me. I just wanted to, you know, I just read it and didn't think much of it. And I guess he had, had to take it down. He took it down. He wrote in his next, you know, pet post or something like that. He's like, I took my last post down because I guess it was controversial and I just don't understand why and blah, blah, blah. And this is all in regards to how we're, as a country, we're dealing with, you know, coronavirus, COVID-19. And in my mind, I was thinking, well, you know, I, I understand you're in Montana and I'm New York. So, I, so instead of 
writing something on a thread, I, I find that especially when you're dealing with something that's maybe controversial, something that's maybe uh, whatever, uh, I feel like when you try to when you try to say something to someone that's in a scolding manner, there's a degree of, especially in a public setting, you're trying to scold someone, you're trying to humiliate them or something. And in my mind, I think it's just not very productive. Like if you're trying to have a meaningful conversation with someone, even if you see things differently, I don't think there's a reason to, 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 to be very adversarial in a public forum because you're just looking for like, you know, an audience. So I just, I slipped into his DMs and I wrote him a message and I said, look, Josh, you're my friend. You know, we, you know, I'm living in New York. My wife's a nurse practitioner in New York, and we lived in New York during 9-11. If you have any questions, I think that there's a lot of connection between uh, our feelings as New Yorkers during 9-11 and this thing, and there's a lot of, like, I, there's some perspective that I have that maybe I can, I can, you know, if you want to, only if you want to. As you got my number, you ever want to call me, well, let's talk. So he wrote me back, and he says, I really appreciate that. and um, I'd love to. So he called me the next morning and it was an awesome conversation. It was an awesome conversation because, you know, he, we're, like I said, we're di totally different. I live in New York. I grew up in New York City. We're a little bit farther north of New York, but we're within distance and there's a lot of commuters coming into New York and we're in New York a lot. So it's different from what he's used to being in, you know, when he turns the radio station on in Montana, wherever he is, they don't do a traffic report. Let's just, let's just be clear. You know, no one's jumping on the subway in Montana. You know what I'm saying? So we had a nice conversation and he just, you know, there wasn't a lot of perspective. I mean, it wasn't a lot of his perspective. It was a lot of perspective. His perspective was, I'm in Montana. We don't have any, we're not seeing people really close by and there's not, the, the hospitals aren't exploding with patients. And this is like two weeks ago anyway. I don't really know what's going on now. I know that Montana is sheltering in place, but other than that, I'm not 100% sure. And he was at the point where he's just like, I have friends who have businesses and they're worried about being bankrupt. Meanwhile, we all when I turn the TV on, all I see is what's going on in New York. And I understand and I'm sorry, but we're not in New York. Why should, why should we all go bankrupt and, and, and go into recession and go into de uh, depression up here in uh, Montana? When it has nothing to do with what's going on in New York. And I said, I, I said, I understand. And what I, what I tried to give him is my perspective. And I said, I'm going to give it to you down the middle. I'm not going to give you, I'm not trying to lecture you. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. And I just wanted to talk about what's going on in New York. And then I also kind of made a connection between uh, being in New York during 9-11 and um, what's going on right now. And there's, there's a lot of similarities. So a lot of similarities as citizens of an area. And, um, you know, um, when I was, when I was growing up, I lived in New York city my whole life and, uh, my wife met and I met in college, we moved to New York and we were in Brooklyn. Um, and I was, she was in nursing school, finishing up, uh, being a nurse practitioner and finishing up rounds at a hospital. And I was, I was working for Charlie Palmer in a restaurant and a bar. So I was working nights and she was working during the day and we don't really see each other very much and we see each other on Sundays and then, you know, we try to slip, slip, slip in time when we could. So we woke up Monday morning on September 11th and, and I just, well, she, she was getting ready to go to work and she's going to hop on the subway. And I said, you know what? I got time and I'm going to work until tonight. Why don't I drive you to the, drive you to, to the, your job? She said, oh, that'd be great. So I put on some shorts 
<laughs> some cut off sweatpants. I slipped into some cooking clogs. That's when I was wearing clogs. Slipped on a t-shirt. I didn't even grab my wallet. I just grabbed my keys, jumped in the car, and we started to drive. And this was about 9.20-ish, 9, you know, 9.17, 9.20-ish. And um, we had heard on the radio that something had happened in the World Trade Center, that maybe there was a small plane. You know, at the time, we, they weren't 100% sure. It was right, right then, right then. They thought that maybe a small, like a single a single per, a prop plane had hit the towers, which wasn't, for some reason, it wasn't abnormal. There were a lot of uh, news helicopters that had been, you know, crashed into the Hudson River, or the East River, and there were other times. And I know that, um, you know, the pitcher, Corey Lytle, I'm not sure if that was before or after 9-11, but he had crashed his plane, uh, you know, in, uh, on, into an apartment building up the East River. So there, it wasn't, it didn't sound, it didn't sound like it was it, well, there wasn't the at the time there wasn't enough information so by the time i was going to drive up onto the bqe we get onto the on-ramp uh past a little bit north of the manhattan bridge which is parallel to lower manhattan we get up on the on-ramp and i just hear my, my own wife gasp and there was fire coming out of one of the buildings it was covered smoke and fire coming out of the world trade center and as soon as we got to the top of the on-ramp and we, we saw it, and she gasped, the second plane hit the towers and we saw this enormous fireball. And this, I mean, this sky was crystal clear, blue sky. It was, I mean, there's no words to describe it. Even to this day, it just, you know, in my mind, it, it was like almost like a movie. It was unbelievable. It wasn't believable at all. It, there was no you know, physical connection to, to, to seeing what I was seeing. And the only thing out of my, my wife had said was, was all those people. Oh my God, all those people. And I'll never forget it. And just chills ran up my spine. And we just realized we got to get off this highway because pretty soon there's traffic's going to stop. So we were driving and it was, it was, the view was, ins- it was just, it was the worst thing I'd ever seen in my life by a million. I couldn't, I couldn't get over it. So we parked my car by my shop, which is about three miles away from our apartment. I still had a, a shop down there, and I was making sculpture on the side. And um, I remember Hillary got a phone call. She had pulled her flip phone out, and it was her mother said that there was an attack on the Pentagon. And as she was on this phone, this strange woman just came up. It's a stranger. Just came up to my wife and said, what are they saying? There was no, nobody knew anything. This is 2001. We weren't, we didn't have phones on us. We didn't have Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. We didn't have any kind of way of mass communications. And it was just, people were in a panic. You just, anywhere you look, you can see the World Trade Center in New York. You can see the World Trade Center. And now it's on fire. Both buildings are on fire. So we watched as the, uh, from the river as the, uh, I was on, on the Newton's Creek, which my shop was by Newton's Creek, which fed into uh, the East River. And we saw the planes, uh, we saw the, the buildings collapse. And it was like, it was beyond unbelievable. Just, there's nothing about it that was believable. And it was, I mean, there's no, it's, it's hard to even explain it now. It's been 20 years and I can't, I have a hard time explaining. So we made the decision to walk home. And as we're walking home, we saw these crazy things. People were running towards the, the river to see. And then we walked past a, a, a armored car, uh, uh, compound that had chain link fence and when we were looking at that there was 20 uh guards with uh bulletproof jackets are all holding shotguns on the inside of the fence kind of guarding the compound 
And that's, you know, to a lot of people that doesn't seem like much, but in the middle of Brooklyn on a Monday morning, it was very an odd and strange situation. We saw firefighters in their bunker gear getting onto city buses and all the city buses were instructed to take these guys to, to the World Trade Center area. We uh, walked to, to walking towards our home, which our home, we lived on Hoyt Street, which is uh, parallel to lower Manhattan, a little bit south, a little bit east. We saw, we saw, when we got to the Manhattan Bridge, we saw they closed off all the bridges to traffic and they were hurting. They were hurting all these people across the bridge from lower Manhattan. They were all wearing their, their business suits and outfits and whatever. And, and they were all covered in white dust, white and tan. Just, just everyone was covered in, it was like you hit, I mean, this dust was covering everybody. And you, you seen thousands of people being herded off and you could hear a pin drop. No one was talking. And it was like, you just, it, it was, it's still to this day, it's completely unbelievable. Um, I'll never forget that. And we finally got home and, uh, we bumped into some friends of ours and we were all trying to just like, we were so grateful. It was this, it was almost a selfish feeling. Well, I, it was a selfish feeling to, that I felt that I was able to be with my wife. Uh, and I was, you know, we weren't separated at the time because the subways, the subways weren't running and, uh, people were stuck. People couldn't go home. Uh, and I was just so grateful. There wasn't really a lot of, I mean, there, we had cell phones, but cell phones weren't working very well. And I just remember feeling uh, grateful and selfish that I was with my wife and we were friends. So we've decided, well, what can we do? And one of my friends was a former uh, uh, Swedish, he was in the Swedish army. And he said, we should go to the Red Cross. He was a medic. He said, we should go to the Red Cross and donate blood. So we walked over to, the, to that area and it was a line around the block. People standing in line to donate blood. And they they kicked everybody. They said, we don't have enough bags. We don't have enough needles. We're not taking all your blood, so we might as well come back tomorrow. And there was this, this sense of what do we do? Are we under attack? Are we still under attack? Now what? What about our groceries? What about our jobs? How are we going to get around? How are we going to, what about our friends? What about the people? Who was in that building? You know, at the time, my wife was just like, I'm going to have to get back to the hospital. They're going to need me. And as time went on, the people that they thought were going to come, nobody came because so many people had died and there weren't a lot of injuries, a lot of in t- in immediate injuries. There was, you know, they were preparing for a deluge of, of people and there wasn't because so many people, Pat, so many people died in the in 9-11. There was all there was is people going into parks and, and putting up signs. Have you seen this person? Have you seen that person? I mean, it was, we didn't know what to do. As New Yorkers, you didn't know what to do. You couldn't get on the subway. The job, people weren't going to their jobs. Are, are people going to come back to restaurants? What are we going to do? And it was a long haul. And it was, and it was this feeling of what now, what are we going to do? We're waiting for our government officials to, to tell us what to do. And the only thing I remember uh, at the time, especially like in regards to those feelings was the feeling of trying to be helpful and going to the Red Cross and, and trying to support our, uh, our firefighters and our first responders and that's what we need to do i'm not gonna we're not you know there were a lot of people assigning blame and obviously that's the case but at the time all i could think of is how can i help these people how can i help these people how can i help these families 
And it was this feeling of that's what we have to do right now. And we have to figure out ways in which to be helpful. And, 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 I, and that's one of the reasons why I've been so uh, vocal about just helping other people, helping other restaurants now during this pandemic. It's this feeling that, you know, obviously different places have different things going on. I know that uh, New York is really everyone's talking about New York is it's there's a lot more transportation. There's a lot more mass transit. There's a lot more uh, subways and trains and there's a lot more ways for people to get infected with this disease that it doesn't is not going to be the same in Montana. But the idea of being helpful as a as a community in a community could be as small as a small town, but also could be the community of 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 Americans or Europe. This happened all over the country, all over the world. This isn't. I, I shouldn't even talk about Montana, New York, France, and Italy, and Spain, China, all over, all over the place. This is a global pandemic, and I think that it gets to the point when we can try to speak to each other in ways of how can I help you. I think that that's important. And and uh, I was really actually on the last podcast I was talking about uh, Peekskill Police Department was looking for. Uh, the Peekskill Police Department was looking for PPE. Um, they didn't have any PPE. That's a personal uh, protective equipment. And they were looking for face shields and, and, and N95 masks and gloves and stuff. And I was just trying to put the word out. And I didn't have anything to do with it. And I found out this morning, it's Tuesday, that some peak, people in Peekskill got together and got a pile of, pile of PPE and pizzas. That's PPP. That's PPE and P. So they took care of the, the the police department. Was super thankful. They got a lot of gloves. They got a lot of respirator uh, masks, face shields, gloves, and some pizza, which was super awesome. Made me feel real good about being part of this community. And and it was one of those things. It's just like this is what this is what's going to bring us back. This is what's going to be so great as a community of knife makers, as a community, as a global community, is how can we help? Part of that is figuring out what businesses are going to do, figuring out how we can help our fellow man, get yourself some groceries for somebody, you check in on your neighbors, and, and we just have to, we know that things are not good right now, but they're going to get better. And I can't help but think about all the people who are suffering our friends, our family, and as the future comes, it might it might get worse before it gets better. But what we're here together, to I'm telling you, I'm telling you this. I'm appreciative of of all the people who uh, are out there helping. Um, there are unintended <laughs> first responders. We're going to talk about later. Uh, UPS drivers like my buddy Jesse. He's delivering packages. He didn't sign on to. He didn't sign on to be a to to be involved with the you know doing this during global pandemic. He's essential business. The people in the supermarkets, they didn't sign on to be <laughs> first responders either. And and it, and it is it's awesome seeing all these people being helpful, and I appreciate the hell out of them. And I appreciate the hell out of you. Uh, I think that the knife making community is a very giving community. I know a lot of guys who do have PPE who are uh, donating a lot of it to their local, uh, their local uh, global, their local uh, uh, first responders. I think the, the idea of being able to kind of, I know some guys, I know Hummer Knives, he did an auction, a good dude right there. He did an auction for his, uh, auctioned off a couple knives for some of his pizzerias. Um, and I think that it's stuff like that. Adam C, uh, he was doing some help for some people and let's not forget 
let's not forget Craig Lockwood, who's who's done some amazing things for people. We are wonderful for for the with his websites for school teachers and parents who get their kids at home. There's a lot of opportunities to be helpful, and so we're helping each other. What we're, you're going to find is you're going to see that as you're helping people, you're not going to be so nervous. You're not going to be so so worried. I mean, that was the one thing about 9/11 is we just didn't know. We had no idea. We had no idea how how's life going to get back. How can we possibly get back to it? How can we? There was when they. I remember when they p- p- played the the Yankees. They opened the Yankee Stadium up, and it was in October, and the Yankees played, and it was such an you know they after September 11th, everybody was closed down for quite a while, and then when I remember when the Yankees played, and it was this wonderful feeling of being a New Yorker, and being proud to be from New York, and I feel like. All over the world, that's what we have to do in order to go forward because it's, it sucks right now. And we're looking down the barrel of some economic problems, but if we can stick together and figure out ways in which to get better, you know, things are going to go get, going to be good. And with that said, let's get on with this motherfucker. And I got to start telling some dick jokes because the quota is up. I got to start, that quota is up. Use your social media for good. We didn't have it back in, nine, in, back in September 11th. We didn't have it. We didn't have it. And, now you got it and use it. Why well, use it? For, help some people out while you're home, scratching your nuts. All right. So I wanted you to. I wanted to just say that I love you people, and I just wanted to give you my perspective. I didn't go too far into it because you know this is knife talk. We're a knife podcast for knife makers and knife enthusiasts and everybody else. And there's going to be some people here who 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 are not knife makers. I want to make sure you understand that the crux of this is we're here to keep you company. They're part of these podcasts, and there's a pile of them starting up because you need to be kept company. That's what we're here for. So I'm here to keep you company right now. Uh, I've asked if you go to a Knife Talk podcast on Instagram, you can DM us your questions or your beefs or whatever you really want to talk about. And what we'll do is we'll usually answer them. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple things. We're going to answer a couple questions. There's some questions here that are not knife related. So don't, don't worry about you start hearing about plunge lines and ferric chloride. Don't worry. Don't, you know, don't worry. I'll, I'm gonna bring you back. We're going to sling in some dick jokes. Sorry, mom. I'm sorry. There's going to be some moments. I know you're turning 80 and I know that this isn't really what you want to be hearing, but I gotta, I gotta straddle a line here. There's, there, I gotta, I'm like a tightrope walker. I gotta make sure that, well, I gotta make sure I run down the line and make sure everybody's happy. And who knows? So this segment is called "Hey Man, Can I Ask You a Question?" That's where you can ask me a question, knife-related question or whatever. I put out the bat signal for whatever you want to talk about, and we'll do it. Fine. Um, the first question comes from HCK Texas. He says. When you're making adjustments to your flat platen, how far forward from the top and bottom wheels does your platen stick out? Should it be flush with the front plane of the wheels or should it stick out an eighth of an inch? All right. So when you're talking about a two by 72 grinder, you have generally, most of them have four wheels. You have the main wheel that's attached to your motor and then you have the adjustment wheel at the top that you can adjust the tracking, and then you have the two wheels on either top and the bottom of the platen. The platen's a long piece of material, so you have a backing behind your your belt. So what he's saying is, is do you, how far do you want your platen uh, in front of the wheels? You want to make sure that you're, when you're, if depending on what you're doing, like uh, usually 
when I'm doing uh, cleaning up the spines of my knives, I want to make sure that when I'm going on the platen, that the we that the knife doesn't actually hit the uh, contact wheel because then you'll end up with like a little kind of like a gougy bump and that that uh, is a pain in the ass. So I generally stick out uh, the platen a little bit, like like you were saying, an eighth. I think that's great. That's great because you just don't want to get in touch with that contact wheel. It's going to get in your way or you also don't want to make sure that the top of your plate doesn't, you don't, you, your, your steel doesn't hit the top of the plate either. That corner can make a mark too. Um, I think that's an awesome idea. You just want to make sure that you don't stick it out too far because if you stick the platen out too far, what will happen is, is you're kind of nullifying your contact wheels and then you're putting extra pressure on your, on your motor. And what that'll do is that'll end up, you know, diminishing the power of your, your, uh, motor and over time your motor will probably uh you know the breaker will hit a little bit too often so you're gonna be careful about that and with that said talking about two by 72 grinders i want to welcome our newest sponsor broadbeck ironworks i've been waiting to say this for a long time broadbeck ironworks makes awesome two by 72 grinders they're made by two friends of mine Ryan and Vince, knife makers, they're knife makers, both of them on Forge and Fire and knife makers, making a grinder for knife makers. Uh, it's an inc- their grinder is an incredibly versatile and intuitive machine. Uh, they have a, it's got a super long platen, especially if you're, it's longer than you think, longer than most. You can get, you can get a lot, you can get a, a far, th- you get a lot done with that platen, long platen. You can pivot it so it can work horizontally and vertically. It's got tons of attachments. They figured out uh, a design that they can have their attachments fit on one arm. So you're just switching out the attachment, not the arm, which makes it a little bit less expensive. There are awesome attachments, and there's some new attachments coming up that's going to be really cool. They're going to be working on some uh, surface grinder attachments. I I saw pictures. They're going to have an uh, integral bolster attachment. So when when you're grinding your integral bolsters, you'll be able to get a nice position on on your belt. Like I said, vertical and horizontal, it's just, I mean, there's, you, what you can do is you save on shipping because it, you, you put it together. It doesn't take a long time to put it together, um, but it, they can, they can put it in two flat rate boxes. So your shipping costs are, are much cheaper than uh, a done, a uh, finished one. You don't need wrenches. No wrenches at all. Everything's all uh, adjustable uh, by hand. It's incredibly versatile. I can't tell you how versatile. And we're, we're they're our sponsor for a while, so we're gonna be talking a lot about them. I'm so grateful that they're part of Knife Talk, the Knife Talk family. They've been awesome, and I, I have had mine now for a, for a couple months, and I love this grinder. This grinder's changed the way I do. Get it with the VFD. These guys are making a beautiful product for knife makers and their knife makers and they're smart and they're trying to give you some value. So go to broadbeckironworks.com, go get yourself a grinder. Uh, we're going to be working out some stuff with them pretty soon, but I'm telling you what, I stand behind the, I have this grinder. I've been using this grinder. I stand behind it hundred percent. I wouldn't tell you something I don't use. I wouldn't sell this thing the way I'm selling it if I didn't tell you it and I have it and I love it and the Broadback Ironwork guys are great and whatever you do go follow them on Instagram go check out what they're doing and we're going to talk about more of them co- upcoming so Broadback Ironworks thank you very much for joining Knife Talk okay next question comes from TMAC401 hey man I have a question I was cleaning out my shop yesterday and there was so much dust what do you guys do to control and contain your dust it's everywhere 
you got to just keep cleaning. And this one goes out to, this one goes out to my buddy, uh, Brett, Brett McAfee, Skull and Spades. He likes Skull and Spades, Skull and Spades 8. Is it Skull and Spades? It's Skull and Spades. It's Brett McAfee. You know Skull and Spades. He's had a whole thing about uh, sh- happy shop is a clean shop. He, you got to clean your shop up. The one thing about my shop is I do have uh, a um, uh, sh- a shop back dedicated to my grinder that I kind of ta- uh, put up under the grinder. I'm very careful about, I only use that for wood and G10 and, and handle material because if you use it for both uh, and steel, what will happen is your steel could ignite in your the barrel. You want to make sure that you're not sending sparks in the, into uh, the uh, vacuum if they got some wood in it. I also do use uh, buckets of water to catch uh, the dust from grinding steel, and I try to sweep as much as I can. Uh, it's, I, I hate, I hate all the dust. I hate all the, I got, I got coffee makers in here on my, I got fax machine, uh, fax machines. I got a printer. I cover it in plastic because it's dust everywhere. It's just metalworking is the worst. Uh, there you go. I mean, what else is there to say? You gotta, you gotta sweep and you gotta vacuum and blah, blah, blah. It fucking sucks. I hate it. Uh, the next question comes from Boggin Blades. I'm with you, Fader Knives. The wine is for drinking, not Bolognese sauce. And in with the milk, too. Can you run through your bolognese recipe? All right, two episodes ago, uh, Craig told me that my sp- spaghetti bolognese was bullshit. That's his exact words, a little bastard. That little bastard, all of a sudden, he thinks he's, he's, he thinks he's you know, Jamie Oliver. He watched a couple of videos, and all of a sudden, he thinks he's Chef Boyardee. Well, he, 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 he criticized my bolognese, my bolognese, bolognese sauce. And here's how I, here's, I'm going to tell you how you make proper bolognese sauce. You start off with whatever you want. I'm not going to tell you what kind of meat to put in. You put in whatever, whatever ground meat you want. Some people use, they stew their meat, but you want a mirepoix of carrots, onions, and celery. Sweat that down. You want to brown your meat unless you already have some braised meat, whatever. Put that in, get that brown, deglaze it with some wine, but then. What he makes a huge mistake is, is you want dairy. And he, I know he says, oh, you know, I just put in, I put in Parmesan cheese. It's no, no, you're supposed to put in milk. You're supposed to put in a little milk and that's going to give some body. You cook the milk down. You put a little stock in there, little canned tomatoes, bingo, bango, bongo, sit it on the thing. He and I weren't too far off, but he started taking shots. So that's really what I do. So there and then you have nice big pasta like pappardel or something like that and you finish your pasta sh- shove it in the sauce coat everything up and eat the hell out of it eat the hell out of it we need a lot of pasta lately with all this comfort food we need a lot of pasta next question comes from matt stero uh matster of none matster of none i love that question hey guys i have a quick question for you why in the modern world do we no longer use the term cutler for someone who makes and sells knives? Any idea why this fell out of fashion? Thanks. Love the show. You guys make Monday worth living. Well, I hope there are other things that are making your life worth living, and I'm glad that we're part of it. I hope you're not on a ledge, because if we're the reason why you're staying on that ledge, then we need to have a conversation of your mental health. I understand. Um, 
there's a lot of terminology that we have stopped using because people just don't understand what anything is. People seem to still think that blacksmiths are farriers. And people don't, unless you're in the horse business, you don't even know what a farrier is. A lot of people don't even know what the word means. They're the guys who shoe horses. So why don't people use cutlers? This is because a lot of times there's not a lot of places that sell just knives. There are a few, but it's not as common because now you can go buy your knives in you know cooking stores and supply stores so i guess the use of cutler isn't doesn't really make sense and it should because we're talking about cutlery so it does make sense and i don't know why maybe it's just not something that maybe it's something now that the way the world's going to be and the way we're trying to make things happen maybe these kinds of new maybe these things will start in again i don't know that's a good question i don't know i've never called myself i never never thought of calling myself a cutler i i that's a good question, Master of None. I think maybe maybe you should start it up again. We you need to have like a but you need to have like a good looking guy, smart, you know, got a lot of personality. You need him to like be the Mr. Cutler. And then everyone's gonna make fun of him. I don't know. People don't use people don't like old those old expressions. It's just like, oh, are you a cutler? Really? Really you're a cutler? Oh, you don't say. What do you cut? They have no idea. Let's keep going. This one comes from Metalhead Blades. Fader, how many times do you start something important and then have to poop? Am I, or am I the only person this happens to? I don't, Metalhead, I don't, I honestly don't know what to tell you. This is, my mother's listening to this, so I, I gotta, I don't know. I, 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 I try to be regular. Mommy, my mommy used to say to me, did you have a BM? Jeffrey, did you have your BM? And now that my mom's listening, she's probably saying, well, Jeff, are you, are you regular? I'm like, yeah, mom, regular. I'm not going to tell you how many times I go to the bathroom, if you don't mind. So I, I, I never find myself, I never find this, Metalhead Blades, with all, with all seriousness, I never find myself in a position where I'm about to start something and I got to go to the run to the bathroom unless it's been like a big night of drinking or it's been like a lot of beans from the night before or some dodgy spicy food from the night before. I don't find that I'm I'm uh, in the middle of something and then realize I have to poop. It's not really. No. So the answer is no. I'm it's you. It's you, Metalhead Blades. I, I think that you might want to consider some fiber in your life. Maybe a little bit of quick, a little bit of steel cut oats to kind of bind you up a hair and give you that nice regularity. That's what I would say, Metalhead Blades. Thanks for the question. The next question comes from Pound of Wood. Pound of Wood says, have you ever used cling spore sandpaper? I've been enjoying it, but wanted you to know how it's stacked up to compare to the other sandpapers that you normally use. Well, I have used cling spore. I remember being at uh, the last metal shop I was at. We've got a lot of cling spore uh, uh, sandpaper. Um, it's fine, but it ain't rhino wet. Let me tell you something. Indasi USA makes rhino wet, one of the greatest sandpapers known to man. This is sandpaper made for metalwork. It's incredible. I love this stuff. 
and you get the red line. You get the Rhino Wet red line from Indasi USA. And then if you go to Texas Farrier Supply, you get Knife Talk. You put in Knife Talk 10 at the end, you're going to get 10% off. I love this stuff from Rhino Wet, and I can't, I can't, I can't say enough good things about it. And I know I was just talking to the guys at Texas Ferry Supply, and they were, I, I ordered, I ordered some. Believe it or not, if I need it, I order it. So I sent a message to Texas Ferry Supply. I said, "Hey, I need some 220." And he goes, "For some reason, we're all out of 220. We're getting a new shipment in right now. Everyone's going to the other 220." Well, it's because I've been talking to you about the 220. The 220 grid is the great is a great foundational sandpaper for uh hand sanding for your uh, disc grinder 220 400 800 those are my four my three favorites and i've made jokes before about you know if you're in the pinch and you need to wipe your ass go get yourself some 2000 grit i won't do that i won't waste your time this time because you know i've it's just gets lame i mean if i just keep you know i mean how many times my mother's listening to this one how how many times can i tell you how smooth and soft the rhino wet 1000 1500 and 2000 i mean do i have to keep reminding you how soft it is and how you can get that awesome satin finish on your steel or on your hind quarters with that with that with that 2500 that 2000 grit it is like i mean literally you could swath a baby in it it's so smooth so get yourself some rhino wet from indasi usa Put in Knife Talk 10, get yourself that 10% off and enjoy your, enjoy hand sanding because it's going to be, it's going to change your life. You're going to say to yourself, why did I ever, why did I ever change to, why didn't I do this earlier? Why didn't I do this earlier? So thank you, Texas Ferry Supply. Thank you, Indasi USA. And uh, let's get on with the show. So our next question comes from Z Henry Knives. Hey man, can I ask you a question? So if you fucked up a handle after the epoxy is good and set, how do you go about removing the scales while doing as little damage to the blade as possible? Thanks. I have done this. I have done this and it's annoying. Actually, I fucked up a few blades uh, with epoxy uh, and I had to take the, I had to take the handle off. And the, if I use Corby bolts, I'll tell you exactly what I do. I, if Corby bolts actually make it a little bit easier, to remove so what you can do is especially if you're using brass corbys or you can use brass pins drill out the pins if you drill out the pins what you'll be able to do is you'll be able to almost like the the epoxy is going to be strong especially if you cut some holes in for grip but what you can do is if you drill out the holes then if you get any kind of flex where you're getting a little take you can take off the material you'll be able to remove the remove the handle uh without destroying the blade i've done that before uh i have also <laughs> believe it or not i actually put my my knife under the power hammer to kind of smash off the smash it off i've i've used all sorts of stuff uh or you know what you can do you know what you should do is just get your grinder and grind off the material and once it's thin enough you should be able to get it off with a um with a, a, a you know, like a screwdriver or something. So get yourself that, you know, just get rid of the bolts. I always get rid of the bolts first. I always drill through the bolts. I've actually drilled out. A, I had a, I'll tell you one thing that I have happened to me and I had to do a little surgery is um, I once got a bad batch of Corby bolts and the way they milled them, you could actually see uh, uh, the hole from the, 
screw end, the the bolt end, you could, they milled it out poorly. So if you dr- ground too much off, you'd you'd be able to see the hole. So how do you get rid of that thing? So I was actually drilling into the Corby, and then I have a screw extractor. Screw extractors are great. Um, basically, it's like a it's like a tap. It's kind of it looks like it would be like a tap, but it's not. It reverses, but and, and it's a it's a like a looks like a drill bit, and it's got a th- reverse thread on it. And then you drill a tiny hole into the steel, and then you put your drill ex- your your screw extractor into like a um, the handle for a tap, and then you're going backwards. And as you're going reverse, it's removing the screw, and then you can should be able to pull it out. And I actually was able to remove a broken Corby without screwing up the hole with a, a bit extractor. Definitely get yourself a bit extractor. They're different sizes and stuff like that. And they'll they'll you can really get you can you can do some real surgery and remove some you know bad stuff with the screw extractor. I love those things. The next question comes from Big Forge Blacksmithing. Hey Jeff, can I ask you a question? Uh, was there one recipe or one kind of food that sparked your love for food or is it something you've always had a passion for? Well, Big Forge Blacksmithing, my dad was an extraordinary chef. Uh, he loved to cook. He actually was, uh, in his later years, he'd been fr- he'd be- befriended so many cooks that he became, uh, he was friends with uh, the chef, uh, Waldy Malouf, who was the chef at the Rainbow Room. And he, Waldy actually said to my dad, you want to come in and uh, you, want, you can want to cook one night a week. And my dad was like, yeah. And he was in his like 60s, 70s. So he actually, my dad would come in one night a week and cook the banana nut bread for the restaurant um, for the rainbow room. Um, and he loved it. He used to come in and he was like the dad there. He was the, like the father of all the cooks and it was kind of cool. And, uh, I ended up working there as a coach check kid. So it was kind of a neat situation, but he was a really good cook and he really showed me how cooking could be much more about, you know, adding more salt and kind of bringing out the flavors of things. And he did a lot of stews. He did a lot of like kind of classical French food and the food was always real good and very flavorful and um you know he he really kind of got me into cooking uh and i also he, i like the fact that he was just very uh he wasn't very he didn't put his nose up in the air and he didn't he wasn't a know it all he was just like you know when you're cooking food you you know you put a little bit into it and you know he made things a lot easier but he wouldn't tell anybody he, he, one thing he did was annoying was anytime he anybody asked him how he made something he's ah a little salt and pepper a little salt and pepper he is some fucking he's bullshit that was some nonsense so he really got me into cooking. I really enjoyed uh, my the light switch went off when I was young. Um, my parents, uh, my dad was you know talk about it some other time, but my father was a winemaker and uh, when he was alive, and um, he took me on a trip to France with my mother. And um, I did at the time before then I didn't really like eating. I was a young kid. I didn't really like eating anything. I liked you know simple stuff and. We went to France. They eat, my dad just said, "Shut up and eat this." And it was like a, I think it was like a snail and garlic, and and it was like it was like the light switch had gone off, and I, all of a sudden I really enjoyed food. Um, I I think that I think that cooking is very to me. There is something I understand why a lot of cooks love to cook. It is it's this idea of nurturing and making something for somebody, and I've always made the connection. That cooking food and making sculpture or making knives, it's exactly the same. There's no difference. Um, you're taking ingredients and proper technique and you're giving it to someone you care about. 
And then all of a sudden, now you have something that's, you know, it's very, all of a sudden, you know, a recipe, a recipe and a technique, making a knife and making a dish is there really, to me, it's like, there's no difference. And, and I like the fact that my wife doesn't cook. I like the fact that I can make her something that, you know, when she comes home from a hard day, now she's coming back from the hospital and it's a little stressful. She come back and she said, what's for dinner? So she used to say to me, she, I love it when I coming home from work and then I come home and I open the door and it would smell like something really great. And it's a, it's a great way to show love and, and to, to, to nurture people. And, and it's just like, I love the fact that my, 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 that I can cook for them and they prefer that I cook for them. Uh, my daughter's starting to learn how to cook and she's enjoying it. She's, she's, she's now starting to like, I know dad, she doesn't do that anymore. She's like, now she's listening and now we're, she's understanding that why don't I l- learn a little technique and then we'll, we'll pull it all together. And my mom, you know, she, I guess, she, mom, did you cook, did you cook when I was growing up? You cooked a little bit, right? I'm talking to you like you're answering the, you're answering. You're not really here in the car, but you cooked a little bit. I appreciated the food that my mother cooked for me. Um, what did she make? She'd make me eggs in the morning sometimes. And what else did she make? Well, she made a, she made this shrimp and potato salad. It was like a, like a, it was always a war with a warm vinaigrette that I always liked. That was my favorite thing my mother ever made. And she made, she's known for, and she's listening to the, I'm doing this, I'm taking a break for some of you listeners for a second. And she used to make this cake, this, uh, 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 it was a, uh, orange with chocolate chip. It was a, it was an orange, it was a chocolate chip cake with orange and bunt cake. I don't know. It was great. So I, I, my family cooking is awesome. I love to do it. You should too. The next question comes from Wildcraft Knives. That's Olivia. She's awesome. When you run out of toilet paper, and do you go into the shower or hang your ass in the tub to rinse out your butthole? That's a that's quite a question there, Olivia. Um I what do I do? Well, I'm 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 on the I'm on the tail end of my uh big box of toilet paper that I got uh about a, about a few weeks before the, all this this shit hit the fan, so to speak. So I'm trying to get some. Uh, our our local store has some every so often. I'm hoping to roll the dice and get some, but I'm trying to find some online. Um, I I think that when I get down to it and I'm out of toilet paper, I will for sure just hop in the shower completely. I think when you I'm trying to imagine just with my pants off, just shifting over to the tub and hanging my butt over the side of the tub and then rinsing out my, my undercarriage. And it just seems like I just don't want any of that rectum water going into my pants. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what's going to happen. If you just stand there and you sit in your butt over the side, all that butt water, uh, rectum water is going to wash off down your leg into your pants. I don't think I want that in my life. You don't want that rectum water in your life, Junior. And so I would say that when it gets down to it and I'm in the weeds, I'm out of TP and I'm out of my rhino wet 2000. I don't dare bring the the rhino wet home because I got to have some backup here in the shop, but I will for sure not hang my ass over the tub and just rinse out my butthole. I'm going to be going a full shower. I'm going to be rinsing it out. I'm going to be making sure that I'm clean. And Olivia, God bless you and God bless your butthole. I certainly hope that uh, everything's fine over there by you. So, Mom, I apologize for that. But 
Look, you're still with us, right? You're, you know, fine. Thanks, thanks, Olivia. Sorry, Mom. All right, the next one goes to, uh, comes from uh, JM762. I have an anvil question for you. Uh, I see these 100-pound-plus anvils from 19-whatever going for $700,000. In your experience, is it the hardness of the metal that makes these more desirable? Or is it, or, or would you say starting out with an okay manufacturer, say a 75 pound anvil for a few hundred dollars is the best move. We did a few episodes about anvils. My opinion is the heart, there's a good and the bad of the anvils thing. One of the good and the bad things about anvils is most of the people selling used anvils really don't, are not blacksmiths. So they don't understand what they got in front of them. A lot of times, especially after uh, Forge and Fire, uh, the prices of anvils have gone through the roof and it's become kind of a problem. Um, so what I would suggest is look for, look at a price, look at the face, look at the sides. If you, if it's sometimes you'll see that some dudes have used it as a, a welding table. I've seen, uh, anvils where the faces have been welded on. I've seen not, and I'm not saying try to fix it. I'm trying to, you know, using the anvil as their welding station. Uh, I've seen people who have cut off uh, the, the, the the horn of their anvils with a torch. I've seen gouges that are like clearly not from hitting and from like, you know, like a torch. Get your, get your, find something with a clean face. Keep your eye out for clean edges. A lot of those edges on your face, you want to make sure some are crisp and some are rounded. That's all part of it. You don't want all crisp angles. You want some you know, nice radiuses and stuff like that. So you can do different things like incising into the steel and stuff. I think that it's important to just keep your eye out a little. There are a lot of good deals out there. Um, I would, my opinion also is, is whatever it takes. When my first anvil was a rail, a uh, railroad trap piece of railroad track, you may, I made it happen. I said in the last podcast, you're almost better off getting a block of steel from like a scrap yard. If you got a scrap yard and they got a block of mild steel, you can make it work. If you keep your, if you keep your steel hot while you're forging it, 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 you can use, you know, a piece of scrap metal, you know, as long as you keep your steel hot. Um, but yeah, it sucks. I, I wish, you know, I, I remember buying my first, I bought my first anvil. I bought a Fisher, 120 pound Fisher from my buddy, uh, Matt Paul. I bought his old one from, from him and he only charged me $400. And I was like, that was a good price. Now that, that anvil now is worth more than that. And it's because of the, the perceived value too. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's really, I, my opinion is, is try to find a bargain and then make it work. Uh, there's a lot of people out there selling. I would also for sure contact my buddy, Chris Cash, Mount Phillip Metalworks. If I were looking for a used anvil, I would call him first and foremost. He also has a new podcast out with, uh, Roy Scott. It's called uh, it's called the Axe and Forge podcast. It's a lot of fun. Go listen to it, especially with my buddy Ben Snoor. That episode's terrific. So is the episode with Chris Zeppereri. Follow those guys. Uh, but Chris Cash Mount Philip Metal Works underscores everywhere. I hate that name, but you know Chris. Chris is a awesome dude, and he can push you in the right direction, if, especially if you're in the United States. Um. This one comes from Oregon Forge Works. I got a beef. We're going to do beefs too. I'm throwing it all together, everybody. I got a beef Facebook ending my live video because the radio is playing in the background. Look, 
somebody's got to get paid. And these radio guys, these, you know, the radio people and the music people, I don't know radio anymore, but music people charge. And if Facebook's playing other people's music, they're terrified. I don't want to pay. So that YouTube and Facebook, they don't want to hear other people's music. And I understand. So we were actually, I was talking to Craig, we were trying to figure out a way that we could do like our own knife talk radio program. So we could put, I'd love to do a playlist. I would, I would love for Mareko to do a playlist. I would love for Craig to do a playlist. I'll tell you my playlist. It's going to be all Rolling Stones, Almond Brother, Almond Brothers. It's going to be the Strokes. It's going to be the Black Crows. You're going to get that old school Southern rock. Um, no country music for me. Sorry. The only country I do is, um, uh, the Rolling Stones. They're my favorite country music band. And if you don't believe me, listen to one of the greatest songs of all time, Dead Flowers. Dead Flowers, Dead Flowers. One of the greatest lines of all time is, you can send me dead flowers to my wedding. You, oh no, you, can, se- you can send me dead flowers every morning. Send me dead flowers by the mail. You can send me dead flowers to my wedding. But I won't forget to put roses on your grave. I mean, that's country music right there, baby. Oh, oh, I didn't think I was going to be singing on this one, but sorry, mom. That's what you get. So the next question comes from Gambler Customs. Hey, man, I have a question. Uh, Do any of you use a backing on your platen rather than the steel platen itself? I've seen some people put various materials on it behind the belt, and I'm not sure if there's any benefits. Thoughts? I have a very good point. I have a very good... uh, That's a good point. Now, one, one of the things he's talking about is if you're pushing your steel against the platen of your grinder, what will happen is... The it'll wear against the the pl- the plate. So what happens is you get a you can get a groove in your in your steel of your platen. So what'll happen is if you're looking for something flat, you'll also you'll start to notice that you'll get some weird grinds. It's because that wherever that was ground out, you don't have a backing there. So there's a couple things you can do. I got a secret special thing to do, but one thing you can do is you can go get um, a Pyrex piece of you've measured the size of your platen and then you can buy pyrex and then what you do is you you put a you put some screws you tap in some screws on the bottom of your platen as a ledge you get some jb well you slather on the platen and then you put your piece of pyrex on there and then the pyrex absorbs some heat and it doesn't wear away as fast that's great or let me tell you going back to our boys at Broadbeck Ironworks, these guys have thought of everything. Back to Broadbeck. You didn't think I was going to come back to Broadbeck. If you get a Broadbeck Ironworks grinder, they have a removable platen plate. And if you run through that, they will. you can buy a replacement plate for $3 plus shipping from their website. I'm not kidding. It's it's and it, and it, and they mill it so it's it's going to fit your plate. Three dollars plus shipping. They will send you a replacement part for your platen. I mean, that's cheaper than getting the that's cheaper than getting the Pyrex and gluing it down and waiting all of this. Just go go get yourself some. I mean, those Broadback guys thought of everything because when they design these grinders. 
They're knife makers, so they know what they don't like about grinding. They know what they don't like about grinders. Boom. Broadbeck Ironworks. All right. So also, if you're going to use a grinder and you need that grinding plate, you're going to need belts. So go to Combat Abrasives where you can get all the belts you need. I love, I just ordered, I put an order for the 36 shredder belts, which which are awesome. I use them for uh, stainless steel. I use them for the carbon steel, but I hog off most of the material of my steel with the 36 shredder belts from Combat. I also get belts for, I get belt, all my belts are from Combat. I get the belts for uh, grinding my handles, like for satin finish. I uh, I also, for uh, when I'm doing a lot of, I use, I love, 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 love their Scotch-Brite belts. And their Scotch-Brite belts are very well priced. So if you go to Combat Abrasives and put, a, put in Knife Talk 15, you get 15% off and you'll be shocked at how much that 15% gets you. So Get yourself some combat abrasives. You get the you can get the compound for your uh, buffing discs, buffing wheels. You can get awesome belts. Uh, they make glue too. They're doing a great job. Uh, I am totally behind combat abrasives. Thank you, combat, for for sticking with us. And um, oh, let's go let's go on with the show. It's Knife Talk fifteen at Combat Abrasives. Boom. <sighs> The next question comes from Ian McCarthy. Great guy. I love Ian McCarthy. How's the watercolor book coming along? Terrible. I haven't done anything. I got the books at home. Boy, I, for some reason during the, all of this, I come home. We make dinner. My daughter and I take the dogs for a walk. We make dinner. Eat dinner. We've been watching, we've been watching you know, Netflix. And then she goes to bed. My wife goes to bed. And then I go to bed. And I didn't get anything done. So one thing we've been doing as a family is we've been doing a lot of puzzles. <sighs> I'm not a fan, but I, it, it was a family thing to do. And I, it was something about, I don't like this particular puzzle, but we did, the girls did a great job. And I just kind of like, I just complimented them as they're working. So watercolor book isn't, I got to work on the watercolor book. I got, thank you for bringing this up. And, and, and it's something that I'm really, I'm, in, I'm embarrassed that I haven't gotten into, but Ian, you've, Ooh, lots of burping going on here. Fine. So, uh, Ian, that's how what I have to say. Burp. Uh, I haven't done anything. I will. I'll give you a full report in the morning. I'll do a new one. I'll get back into it. The next question comes from uh, Gumbier Custom Knives. I got a question for Jeff. How do you do Kydex sheaths for knives that have a false edge or a harpoon clip? Like. How do you get the harpoon clip not to catch when pulling the knife out? Thanks. So for all the uninitiated, Kydex is thermoform plastic. And what you do is you get, uh, you, if you, you can make, it's super easy to make a press, a wooden press with some hinges. You get some thick neoprene and then you get your, uh, you get the Kydex, you put it in a little oven under 30, 300 degrees. And it's so stiff when you put it in the oven. And what happens is as you're heating it up, it softens. And as it softens, you can mold it around your knife, put it in the press, and then as it cools, it gets hard again. So if you do, there's two different ways. There's what's called pancake style. I'm not a fan of the names, but this is what we got. Pancake style is two pieces of Kydex, and then they're, then they're kind of, you put one on the bottom, and you put one on the bottom of your neoprene, put the knife in, put the second one on the top, and then you press them together, and then you kind of rivet them all together. I do what's called the taco style, which is you basically fold over the piece, and then you have the your 
the fold is either your the spine of the knife side or the blade of the edge of the side, knife side. And I know what you're talking about. If you have a harpoon clip, that means it, the spine maybe comes up a little bit. It's got a little bit of like a little hump before it kind of comes back down to the clip. That if your kydex is too tight, what'll happen is it'll lock in. And and if you you with the kydex, you have to have a degree of 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 uh, air space so you can get the knife in and out. And that clip can sometimes catch kind of like your knuckle guard. That's why the good thing about the knuckle guard is, is you have it in the end. So you're not kind of fighting through all this kydex. I, when I make knives with kydex, she with, uh, with um, harpoon clips or something like that, I'll wrap it in the, wrap it in the, the hot kydex. And then I'll just kind of drop it down a hair. Um, and then usually there'll be enough space where it doesn't really interfere. Um, that's what I would suggest is just be conscious of it and then just drop it down and you can fool around with it too, because you could actually, you're going to have a little bit more room if the clip isn't on the folded side. Some of you people are just like, what is he talking about? I, I'm, I totally understand what you're saying. I'm just talking to gum beer right now. You can do it. You just have to drop it down from the, the crease of the, the kydex or you have to flip it around. But you just have to be conscious of it. You can just make some slight adjustments. You don't, just don't put it tight to the, to the crease and you should be fine. Uh, next question comes from Edge Knifeworks. Edge Knifeworks say, thank you guys. For, oh, this isn't a question. Thank you guys for putting out a great podcast. A really great way to start off my work week. Just started knife making full time a few months ago, and you guys are very inspirational to listen to. Stay safe with everything going on. Did you hear that, mom? You listen to this. Did you hear that, mom? This motherfucker here says I'm inspirational. That was unfortunate. I'm sorry. Edge, I'm sorry for everybody. I'm sorry. I was embarrassed. I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry, mom. And I'm sorry, Edge Knifeworks. Thank you so much for the kind words. The next question comes from. Oneuron Ironworks. Oneuron Ironworks says, how do you sharpen a serrated knife? I need to sharpen my mom's bread blade. Well, there's a couple things you can do. If you have a Dremel, you could just do on a slow speed and just, and basically when you're sharpening uh, uh, a serrated knife, really you're just cutting, I believe you're just cutting down the, uh, the wire edge, because you have a lot of wire edge when it comes to a serrated knife. And that's what usually what happens. You can actually, on the non-serrated side, you can file off uh, the, the wire edge, or you can just use a, 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 um, a Dremel or one of those for, forbin, foreman, forbird, 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 forearm, foreman, a foreman tool. You know what I'm talking about, guys. You just Fordham. It's a Fordham tool. Fordham tool. I know it's a the jeweler's tool. You can use one of those with a little drum, and you can just bump it. Or if you have a ha you know, depending on the size of your uh, contact wheels, if you have a two by seventy two grinder, maybe it'll it'll uh, fix that. You could get a chainsaw file. You just really need to you just need to fix the fix the wire edge on a on a on a serrated knife. Now, one thing is I make serrated knives, so because I make serrated knives. I know how to sharpen my knives, so it makes it a lot easier for uh, for me to resharpen my knives because I use a half-inch contact wheel when I make my serrations, so it makes it easier for me to sharpen them. I've never really heard of people sharpening a... Uh, I've never really heard the need 
for sharpening a bread knife. But if you just want to get rid of that burr, you can use a piece of sandpaper and get rid of that burr. Or what you could also do is, here's another idea, get a piece of Rhino Wet from Adas USA, Texas Ferry Supply, Knife Talk 10, and wrap it around a dowel of wood the size of the scallops. And then, because if your scallops are smaller than a half inch, then you can just give it a quick buff with uh, you know, some 220 Rhino Wet, and then you're going to get yourself a sharp ass, sharp serrated blade. There. How do you like that? Ah, so our last question comes from, oh, Josh Scott Knives. I love Josh Scott. Josh Scott says, Fader, what's your favorite meal, movie, and drink? JSK out. So my favorite meal... I was talking to my daughter about this. I love Japanese food. My parents, my mom and my dad used to take me to a Japanese restaurant. I love Japanese food. I can eat Japanese food every night. Sushi, teriyaki, yakitori. I love it. I love pizza. I love pizza. Just but cha- pl- nice plain cheese pizza. I love it. I love pizza. And I love hamburgers. If I have to pick any, if I have to pick my dying meal, I think it would probably have to be Japanese food, but pizza is a strong second. My favorite drink. All right, let's just go with what I'm eating. I'm we're gonna do. I'm gonna do the drink. I'm gonna do the food, movie, and drink for one. I'm gonna get myself a nice cheese pizza, real good cheese pizza, like John's from Bleecker Street, or from my buddy Dave Dabari, Chef Dabari, or from Christian Petroni, get a pizza from him, or my boys over at Gleason's make a kick-ass pizza, and then I would get a uh, beer from, I'd get a beer, my favorite, I love beer, man, I, a, I love beer, I've been into this Captain Lawrence, I've been into Captain Lawrence Nipas, and I, in uh, New England IPAs, I could drink some of them. Oh, Maron. So I could do, I'll eat a pizza with some beer. And then if I'm watching a movie with that, I'm watching Goodfellas or, or Casino. Scorsese. Oh my God. If I'm watching those movies, I'm watching Casino. I'm eating a pizza. I'm drinking a beer. That's a good night right there. That sounds great. And uh, I love the Scorsese movies. I'd say if I was, if I had to watch a funny movie, it would be Super Troopers. Super Troopers is one of the best movies of all time. It really takes you out of your problems. Definitely listen to Super Troopers. And P.S., I started that fucking Tiger King from, uh, Craig told me to listen to, watch Tiger King. I didn't want to watch it. My wife and I didn't want to watch it because we thought there was going to be some animal abuse. And there is a, is a fucking train wreck. I watched the first two episodes and now I got to keep going because, you know, everyone's talking about it and I get it and it's crazy and it's like this weird sex cult with animals and it's just bizarre so mom maybe that one's for you you might want to that's a good one for you You got netflix mom that might be a good one for you it's weird though i didn't remind me i warned you oh there's a there's a second there's a ps question from josh scott He, he he not finished the question so he said first let me read the whole thing i didn't see all this fader what's your favorite meal movie and drink also, what's your favorite sex position? Asking for a friend. Have you lost your mind? I'm, did I tell you I'm talking to my mother? My mother is on listening to this. You, my mother, are you? Have you lost your mind? Are you nuts? I, what am I supposed to say? I did not tell you, Josh. 
that my mother is listening to this podcast and you're going to ask me my favorite sex position? Don't you think that's weird? Don't you think this is awkward? I got to talk to my mother now. And meanwhile, what am I supposed to say? My mother's listening to this. I mean, as an outrage. This is a total outrage. Josh Scott. I can't believe it. You googly-eyed fuck. I can't believe it. Mom, I'm sorry. I don't know what these people are doing. These people are asking me these crazy questions, Mom. Happy birthday, Mom. God. Josh. How dare you, fuck, you bastard, you. I don't, I'm not answering that question. I, even if my mother wasn't listening to this, I still wouldn't answer your question because you're a weirdo. Now, mom, just cover your ears for a second. Just cover your ears. I'm going to give you, I'm going to count to two. And by the time you count to two, you know, you're going to, I'm going to say something to Josh and I don't want you to listen. Okay. One, two. Listen to me, Josh, you little googly eyed fuck. Why, how dare you talk to, to ask me a question like that, knowing full well that my mother's listening to this. I want to get my hands on you. I want to choke your chicken. Oh, how did I say that? That's unfortunate too. God, that's a terrible choke. Your, I can't believe I said choke your chicken. This is an outrage. God, Josh Scott. No, fine. What can you do? Happy birthday, mom. You wanted to listen to the podcast. Fine. So we're wrapping it up. I'm rolling it out. And I want to tell you a funny story. And, you know, I just want to, one thing I, I, I do, I want to talk to you about is last thing, last but not least, this ain't the dream. This ain't nothing. This is just me finishing this motherfucker out. I talked to my buddy, Jesse Savage. You guys know I, I, I talk about Jesse Savage. He's the, he's, the, he's the host of the Blacksmith's Pub with Rick Barter. Jesse, I talk to Jesse once a week, easy. And when he, when he calls me, He's a UPS driver, if you didn't know. Anytime he talks to me, I know he's got his Bluetooth in. And then he has Bluetooth in his ear. He listens to podcasts all day long. And then when he calls me, he's always rolling up the doors to the truck. I always hear him rolling up the doors, grabbing the boxes, delivering the boxes. Jesse, is a, he's a, a great guy. And he's also an unintended first responder. It is incredible. I, I was so, I'm so, he's got a family, he got four kids, he got a wonderful wife, Carrie, and he's got four terrific daughters, uh, and he is putting himself, he's putting himself in a position, you, some of you guys can stay at home, you're doing the social distancing, Jesse can't do that. UPS drivers, mail carriers, uh, they are all, <laughs> they're all first responders, they're it's doing essential jobs. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate people like Jesse, the Teamsters. Teamsters aren't, the Teamsters aren't, I don't know if they're, they're, they're giving their, giving the attaboys and the back pats on the back, but I, I am. Think of me as, think of me as uh, Jimmy Hoffa. I'm Jimmy Hoffa. You, ah, Jesse, you're doing a wonderful job. And you're a great American. And it's Teamsters like you that keep America going. And I'm with you 100%. And, I, and, and, and him and guys like him, and the people like the people in the grocery stores, and I'll tell you a funny story. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but the grocery store people really were, I mean, for legit were like, you know, they worked at the grocery store. And now when I go in the grocery store, I would go into the grocery store to get some, every week I go once a week and I get stuff from my mother. I get stuff from me. I get my mom some vanilla. She likes some vanilla ice cream. I get to make sure she gets some vanilla ice cream and, and I get her what she needs. And then I get her stuff. 
when every week it just gets so the first week it was people were just social distancing and the second week i started saying seeing people wearing gloves my wife told me to wear plastic glo- or rubber gloves and and then now the third weekend i'm starting to see people wearing masks and you get the feeling when you're in that supermarket i don't know what it is i, I know it's like my mind all i can think of is like have you ever played those video games where you're like you're like the soldier and you're walking through these like uh, radioactive areas and you can look in your little health bar and your health bar is like slowly slowly you're getting like in that and you can hear like the the, the noise from the soldier going, and you, all you want to do is get out of that radioactive uh, stage in the game that's how i feel when i'm in there and there this this is one kid at this local store he's this tall gangly looking you know, perfectly nice kid he moved his way up to stocking shelves and he's just like, you know, got his Adam's apple, Adam's apple sticks out. And he, he, somebody's been telling some of these people that they're heroes. And, you know, when you hear on the loudspeaker, thank the people who are working here that are cleaning the stores and they're, they're making sure everything's safe for you and your family. And it is, it is incredible. It is incredible. And I can started to notice every week, this guy's standing up a little bit straighter. And he's walking around a little bit more confident. And he's like, it's literally like, you know, Steve Rogers, this, this scrawny little, you know, nerd. And then they give him the super soldier solution. And he turns into Captain America. This kid now is went from this gangly ass c- clerk to like this purple heart navy seal he walking around with confidence he's so much confidence yeah he works in his he's got his he works in his short sleeve shirt and he doesn't even wear gloves he's like fucking he's he's fucking putting the yogurt he's stocking that yogurt he's stocking that yogurt raw dog in that go-gurt he for you he he's tough this guy's tough he's like ah corona shmermona i don't worry about that this kid went from such a gangly nerd to this you know, Navy SEAL of the Gogurt Isle. God bless him. So I just wanted to say that how how I am very and I and every time I'm in there and I see the people stocking the shelves and the people putting in the produce and they're stocking and they don't want to need to be there. They're probably not getting paid very well. I'm sure they don't I'm sure they want to call in sick and they're not. And I appreciate the hell out of people like that who are continuing to serve people in a situation where they don't want to pass this on to their you know, grandparents or whatever, but they're doing everything they can to keep you safe. And, and look, unintended first responders, God bless them, support those people and, and, and help those people and be helpful. And just, you know, listen, it's not great right now, but it's going to get great. We're going to get back to, we're going to get back to where we need to be. But the most important thing is to be helpful and to figure stuff out. I'm actually working with the Peekskill Coffee House. You might, you might have remembered the last episode I did this. I was up to my, I was jacked to my back teeth in, in coffee from the Peekskill Coffee House. I just, I've been talking with Sonny Cover, the owner, and we're going to do a coffee. She and I are going to do a coffee. I mean, Fader Knives. Fader knives blend. We're gonna figure something out. We're gonna and we're gonna give some coffee. We're gonna sell some coffee and give it to somebody. You know, give the money to somebody, and we're trying to move some coffee and fix them up. But we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about that in this in the future. Um, I just want to thank you for listening. I just want to tell you that you people are all right. Mom, happy birthday. I'm sorry about all that unnecessariness. You know, you know how I am. I've always been a little bit unnecessary, but I know you're turning eighty. And I want you to know how much I love you and I care about you and we're going to figure something out. 
and I want to make sure that you're all healthy and safe. And I love you, mom. And you're a wonderful mother. I've always felt that way. And I'm proud. I'm proud to be your son and, uh, and get off my phone. Hey, <laughs> like that. So that's how we're going to end this story. Mom, I love you. Get off my phone. And that's the show. So follow us on Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. Go to wherever you listen to us. Give us a five-star review. It helps us out of hell of a lot. And be, be, wash your hands, you little bastards. And keep don't, don't, go any, don't be coughing on each other. And stay the hell away. And get healthy. And let's get this shit squared away. And just remember, I'm with you. And get off my phone. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.